This time on Geek Pod Blue. I'm just glad there's a bathroom right next to where I record, you know, for emergencies and things. Warning, station is now on code blue. Welcome to this edition of Geek Pod Blue. I'm your host, Hugh, and I have been stomach bug free for one whole day. Now, I'm going to have to ask that you forgive me. My voice is a little rough. I started off the week being quite ill. It was a bad, bad time, and uh, luckily I seem to be on the mend. Um, not everything has quite recovered yet, uh, but I, I'm, I'm ready to keep moving forward. So, we are going to jump into this week uh, by referencing last week. Now, Last week, I started off the show by giving what might be a scathing review of the new Twin Peaks revival. Now, I do want to uh, follow up and say I did watch the episode from that last week. Episode 5 has not changed my opinion of the show, uh, but we talked about that enough. However, there is something Twin Peaks related that I did want to get into with you guys this week. Uh, I did a little digging, and I kind of ran across uh, something that I did not know, and this story made its rounds about a month ago. Um, But uh, apparently Twin Peaks is semi-based on a true story. Now, just to recap the idea of Twin Peaks and and a seemingly innocent young girl uh, that the whole town thinks is wholesome as good turns up dead, and as they investigate it, they discover she led a very dark and secret life that... Uh, was far more nefarious than uh, than they had thought. Now, apparently this is based on a true story. Now, Twin Peaks co-creator Mark Frost um, used to go to a place in rural New York uh, where his grandparents had a summer home, and there was a legend that his grandmother used to tell him about, about this girl who haunted the area. But the, the real story is what happened to this girl in an area called Sand Lake. And uh, I'm just going to kind of go into this and let you guys hear the story. Now, this place was known, I'm sorry, this this story is known as the Teal Pond Mystery, and uh, basically it goes back to 1908. Uh, In a small quaint town, there's a 19-year-old girl by the name of Hazel Drew. Now, she seems uh, to to everybody around her to be a very innocent girl, um, doesn't have, doesn't do anything wrong, doesn't have any bad habits, uh, you know, she goes and picks raspberries and all the things that a young girl would in 1908 uh, because there's so much to do then. Uh, when suddenly she winds up dead, washed ashore with a, a string around her throat, a corset string, and blunt trauma to the back of her skull. Now, at first, the town is shocked. You know, nobody can believe that uh, somebody would do this to this young girl. Um, nobody thought that she had any kind of a crazy personal life or any enemies. Uh, she had no known boyfriends or anything like that. So the police started looking into it. And what they discovered was kind of shocking. Um, in her uh, private uh, notes and such, they found many letters to many different men, all 
signed with initials, much like Twin Peaks. So, you know, it was very hard to figure out who these people were. They had to go on the initials to try to figure out, you know, which letter was to, to which person. And it turned out that Hazel Drew was leading a crazy double life. Now, there were numerous suspects. And let me pull up my notes here to make sure that I can cover all of these. There was a, a guy named Frank Smith. Uh, he was a farmhand who she had known and she had been writing letters to, but he was cleared with an alibi. Then uh, Hazel's uncle, a man named William Taylor, who lived pretty close to the lake, uh, was thought to be a suspect, but you know he was there to pull her corpse out of the water, and they thought that it was his odd, he had very odd behavior. He was uh, described as suicidal and melancholy, but he was cleared because the police could find no evidence linking him directly to Hazel's death. Uh, there was another local man who was considered a half-wit, who used to torture animals and such. Um, there was a professor who employed Hazel for things, uh, you know, nobody really knows what it was, but he used to pay her to do odd jobs. Uh, Hazel's mother also brought up a man from a nearby town who she thought had hypnotic powers, which is certainly similar to the, uh, the occult elements of the Twin Peaks storyline. Now, that would be enough crazy characters, of course, but that's not the end of the story. The suspicious characters kept coming. There was a dentist that proposed to Hazel, a train conductor that she may have been dating in secret, and a local millionaire by the name of Henry Cramroth who ran a nearby club with an illicit reputation. Now, there were rumors of orgies and women being kidnapped and used against their will there, uh, swirling around his establishment, and you know there were rumors that Hazel had been involved with him as well. Now, Despite the fact that witnesses reportedly heard screaming coming from this establishment around the time of the murder, he was let off because there was no direct evidence tying him to the murder. Now, although her injuries were consistent with you know a homicide of some sort, uh, the authorities decided to, to go with a different theory. And this is probably because they had a community at arms wanting answers, and they had had none. All they had were questions. So uh, the local newspaper published this statement from the police. After five careful days of investigation, <laughs> hear that, five, in which many theories have been advanced, a motive for the murder is lacking. Nothing has been learned that would warrant the authorities in making an arrest in connection with the crime. This being the case, the accident theory is advanced. The Mackinac Road between Troy and Averill Park is popular with automobilists. A reckless chauffeur speeding along at night may have struck the girl with his car, causing her death. Rather than face the consequences and knowing the country well, it would have been a comparatively simple matter to have taken the girl's body in the car up the lonely road towards Taberton and to have thrown her body into the mill pond. And that was really where they ended it. I mean, it was a hastily conducted investigation probably because you know she didn't come from a prominent family there were no rich people saying hey you need to solve this you know I, well the people might have cared uh, the police just didn't now I, I certainly think that you know these days that would be a different story uh, you would not see a situation where the police would be allowed to stop investigating after just five days if there was a murder nowadays but that certainly shows you how things were different back in 1908 especially if you were a woman especially if you didn't come from money if there was not somebody in your corner then sometimes answers were not found now of course while lots of other mysteries are solved in the modern era you know i've read recently that they figured out who jack the ripper was or in fact wasn't and they've also figured out you know what really happened 
at the Roswell crash. A little skeptical on that one, but we'll see. But this is not the kind of mystery that's going to be solved now. You know, there's no DNA evidence. There, there's nobody even looking. And unless somebody finds a journal from one of those numerous suitors saying, hey, I'm the one that killed Hazel True, I mean, the final chapter in this story has been written. You know, in fact, the closest thing that we're going to get to an investigation of this story is Twin Peaks, which is kind of sad. Now, David Frost said that he didn't mind this story too deeply for details as far as Twin Peaks goes. Uh, it kind of feels uh, like a lie to me considering the far more than just numerous connections and similarities between the stories. I don't think that's a bad thing, though. Uh, true crime is used as a basis for lots of fiction, and it's certainly not something that he should be ashamed of or try to distance himself from. It's a great story. It's a great legend, and you know we're not even getting into the stories of her haunting that stretch of road. We're just talking about the actual facts. I find that fascinating, and hopefully you guys do too. That's why I wanted to talk about it. Um, I also wanted to give you an update. Uh, it was brought to my attention by a listener that um, there were no creepy sounds or demonic voices uh, heard on the show last week. And you know that's right. There weren't. And everything went so well and everything was so normal, I completely forgot to tell you guys what was going on with that. Now, as you know, I thought that uh, maybe I'd brought something home from Whiskey Hollow because after we did that uh, investigation with the whole Geek Pod team, uh, crazy stuff was happening and there were voices and a lot of stuff happening while I was recording. Well, I was telling a friend of mine about this and we got talking about things like holy water and all that kind of stuff. And my friend reminded me that years ago, I had uh, gone to the Universal Church of Life website and applied online to be a minister. And of course, they will make anybody a minister. All you have to do is apply. And technically, it's legal. And in most states, you know, I could actually perform a marriage ceremony. I think you can actually have anybody do that now. But a few years ago, that wasn't the case. Uh, but I could even put, you know, the Reverend Hugh Allen on my driver's license if I wanted to. Not that I would ever do that. Uh, so I'm like, you know what? You're right. I, I have the power. I can do something about this. So... I ate a couple matzo crackers. I blessed some lemon lime, lime seltzer and drank it and sprinkled it out across the room in the house. And I haven't heard anything since. I did not know that about myself. I am adding that shit to my resume. Uh, and that's really all we got for the main part of the show. Let's move into the news. We have a ton of news to talk about this week, uh, especially uh, going into E3, which is one of the biggest trade shows for consumer electronics and video games in general, which certainly crosses over with a lot of genre stuff. But first of all, we need to mention the passing of a legend and an icon, Adam West. Now, Adam West passed away this past weekend uh, after a very brief battle uh, with leukemia, apparently, I believe is what I read. Uh, it must have been awfully brief because it seemed like he was out there doing things in the fan world, and I was kind of surprised. I didn't even know that he was sick, so it's very sad. You know, Adam West brought a lot of joy and laughter into a lot of people's lives, and, you know, it always sucks when we lose one of these icons. Certainly, I'm getting at the age now where I'm getting used to finding out who's dying uh, more often than I ever have in my life. And, that's a little scary and a little sad, but, um, you know, our hearts and, uh, well, if you have prayers, send them their way. But, uh, certainly my thoughts are with Adam West and his family and, uh, you know, rest in peace, 
Uh, we appreciate everything you did for us. Uh, moving on from there, uh, the big news this week in entertainment is certainly the E3, the uh, uh, E3 Expo. I just can't talk today. I'm sorry. I'm still recovering from uh, from being sick. Um, the Electronics Expo is basically the biggest consumer electronics show uh, in the country. And every year, all the video game developers get together, along with a lot of other software manufacturers, and they, they even have appliances and things like that. It's electronics in general, but the big focus for most people is on video games. Now, I am going to go through uh, a list of stuff that was announced, I and mean, there's just too much to really go into depth about. I'm going to touch on the big things. So, uh, first of all, Nintendo... Brought their A game for sure. Uh, they got a bunch of new stuff coming out. There's a Metroid Prime 4 is going to be coming to Switch and a Metroid game coming to the 3DS, uh, which is probably exciting for people who uh, own both consoles. There's also going to be a main Pokemon game coming to the Switch. Now, uh, Nintendo Switch is uh, their new console where you can have basically a... Uh, like um, a tablet and you've got controllers that fit on the side of it and they're going to be bringing one of the main Pokemon games to that. Now, if you've been keeping track for years now, the main Pokemon games only showed up on the 3DS or whatever Nintendo's handheld was and then they had things like Pokemon Stadium or offshoots of Pokemon, but not the main game. So, you know, th this is kind of exciting that they're actually going to bring it to the main uh, console. Uh, Super Mario Odyssey also got a new trailer and an October 27th release date, which, you know, it looks like it's going to be in the vein of the past few open-world Mario games, certainly with a bit of a different spin where Mario is in, instead of a cartoon world that's like him, he is in a real world that's more like us. Uh, definitely odd to look at, but it looks like it's going to be an exciting game. Uh, Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild is getting not just one, but two uh, downloadable contents at some point in the near future, and Rocket League has been confirmed for the Switch in launches this holiday. If you don't know what Rocket League is, it is a multiplayer gaming sensation. Uh, think of it as, I, I think they do have an actual uh, release that you can buy in the stores, but it's almost like this, um, imagine a, a digital game, like an indie game that ended up being such a great game that it was a worldwide phenomenon. And think soccer played with radio-controlled cars. Uh, it's pretty crazy, and it certainly uh, has got to be exciting for Switch owners that they're getting all of these uh, great games. Uh, another thing that was announced for Switch, which we kind of knew about, was uh, The Elder Scrolls Skyrim. And we knew that Skyrim was going to be coming to the Switch. We know a little bit more about it now, though, because it's going to work with the Amiibos, and they showed uh, a Master Sword and Link Shield and, and lots of stuff that ties it into Zelda. So uh, Bethesda is certainly... Uh, they're not just releasing another port of this game on the Nintendo Switch. They've actually gone in and done some work to customize it. Next up, uh, the Sony presentation. They showed an amazing trailer for uh, their new game based on the Spider-Man uh, property, and it's not really based on any of the movies or anything. It's an original concept, uh, but it really looks like they've balanced the, the high-flying uh, web-slinging from past games with uh, really action-packed, exciting uh, combat. Sorry to uh, be getting a little lost there, but it, it certainly seems like they figured out how to make those work together. Next up would be God of War, uh, going to be released early 2018, uh, is a an older Kratos and hopefully is going to uh, bring a new dimension to this fan favorite. Uh, Destiny 2 on the Sony systems is going to include exclusive content. There's also a bunch of new Sony uh, PlayStation VR stuff. Lots of games announced. We're going to talk a little more about those later. Uh, also, uh, Sony announced something called PlayLink, which is going to allow people to play games from their mobile phones on their Sony PlayStation with the idea that they can bring people together, even if they're not
they're not gamers, uh, it's going to uh, become a, a social activity that you might do around the house. So maybe instead of, you know, hanging out around the table playing cards, you might be hanging around the PlayStation. Now, there was one game that they showed a little more of that we've heard about in the past called Days Gone, which is basically the, the newest zombie um game, I guess, that it's going to be the next big zombie thing. And the idea is it's a little bit uh, Walking Dead, a little bit Sons of Anarchy, and you've got uh, some main characters that are just trying to survive in a zombie apocalypse gone crazy. Now, one of the hallmarks of this game is that they're able to have like 30, 40 zombies on screen chasing you at a time. And I'm going to tell you, having loved the Left 4 Dead series and liking that intense action, I look at this game and I think to myself, this will make me shit my pants. I don't even think I can play it. It just looks that terrifying and that intense. And especially at the end of the trailer when you see a giant zombified grizzly bear covered in barbed wire and pieces of fence, I'm just like, man, uh uh-uh, nope, nope, no way, not happening. Uh, Some other big news uh, coming out of Ubisoft, they are actually doing a Rabbids game that is going to feature uh, Mario as well. Now that sounds like an odd pairing, but while we used to live in a world where console exclusives were king, it's funny now, uh, games are more exclusive, but uh, console mascots really aren't. We're seeing uh, characters from different games pop up in all sorts of things, and it certainly doesn't surprise me because it seems like Mario and Rabbids, it really is a match made in heaven. Xbox also had a lot of great game announcements and all the kind of things you would expect. Um, They did mention that the next Metal Gear game is going to be pushed back a little bit. The big deal was their new console, the the Xbox Scorpio, and it is a beast. Now, I'm not going to get into the tech specs right now, but you can certainly find them anywhere online. This thing looks like it's going to be a, a monster of a console, and while Sony does have their PS Pro to kind of try to, to make up that gap, uh, this really is a big step forward. Uh, the next big uh, company announcements came out of Bethesda, the makers of Skyrim, which we talked about uh, a little bit before, uh, but they've stated a few things. First of all, Wolfenstein 2 is coming out and is going to be uh, released on October 27th. Uh, the Evil Within 2 also has a, an official release date of October 13th. But here are the big deals. Fallout 4 VR and Doom VFR both being released later this year. Now, now here's the thing. They're, they're doing a full version of Fallout, a full version of Doom, one would assume. We know that the Fallout 4 is supposed to be a full version. Uh, but they've also announced that there's going to be a full VR version of Skyrim. Now, I believe that that is, and I'm looking to see here in my notes, I can't find it. Uh, it is exclusive for a little while, but here's the thing that kind of concerns me. Um, Bethesda is one of the the big game makers and you know unlike some companies like you know Electronic Arts who announced you know more Battlefront 2 uh, news this week uh, but they seem you know companies like Electronic Arts seem to be focused on money but Bethesda while they certainly are thinking about money they've always made really deep engrossing games and uh, I'm seeing a disturbing trend here where they're re-releasing old stuff all the time and I mentioned this a while back being concerned that we were going to be getting re-releases of Skyrim and Fallout 3 and all that and that's all they were going to do no new content but now we're getting VR. VR is being added to the cycle. So not only are we getting VR versions of Fallout 4, which came out a year ago, and Doom, which I think came out the year before, we're getting a VR version of Skyrim, which came out six years ago. That was 2011, folks. And while it's a fantastic game, I'm just wondering if this is part of the development cycle now. Release a AAA game over the holidays, then for the next year and say two and three months, milk it with DLC. Then that summer, announce the VR version, release it at Christmas, milk that for another whole year. So we're basically doubling the amount of time that these games are being sold. Now, that's not necessarily a bad thing, but really we're also rewarding them for, I don't know, taking a Fallout 4-shaped piece of bread, popping it in a VR toaster, and popping out 
basically the same product, uh, slightly crispier with a you know a VR crunch and feel. Now, I don't want to say that that's a bad thing. I don't want to get all down on VR, but I'm still not convinced that it's going to be a big deal. I don't think it's going to catch on, and frankly, I would not want to play a game as long as Fallout 4 or Skyrim 100% in virtual reality. That would just be too much. Just the thought of having to sit there with that thing on your head for that many hours. I mean, I put somewhere between, I think somewhere about 400 hours into Skyrim. I would not want to spend 400 hours with that thing on my head. Uh, so I'm a little concerned about the direction Bethesda's taking, but we'll have to wait and see. Um, next up, as previously mentioned, Electronic Arts did uh, come out with some new stuff. They showed some FIFA 18 gameplay. They also showed the new Star Wars Battlefront 2 multiplayer gameplay trailer. And... What they said was that basically, unlike the last game where you had to buy a season pass to get everything, everything in this game is going to be free. If you buy the base game, you're going to get all the released DLC content. However, there's going to be microtransactions. So they've gone from one bad money-grabbing idea to potentially another bad money-grabbing idea. And here's my concern. Uh, it's one thing, you know, playing Elder Scrolls online and... You know, you buy a special mount or a new costume just because you like it. You know, with real money and that's fine. It's not necessary to play the game. What kind of microtransactions are you going to have in a multiplayer shooter, though? What will be interesting enough that someone will spend real money on it but won't give you an advantage in the game over other players that just paid, you know, $60, $70 for the main game and didn't bother to, to go with the microtransaction? I have to say I'm a little concerned there because I don't think there's a fair way they can do that. Uh, that's that's just me. You know, your mileage may vary, but that's my opinion on it. Uh, finally, if you've been looking at expanding some of your hard drive space for your gaming platforms, uh, Seagate has released some really great hard drives for the two big main consoles. Uh, they're releasing an 8-terabyte a game drive hub just for the Xbox One, and this is basically going to give you a, a, enough room to store pretty much anything you need. They're also releasing a smaller 2-terabyte one for the PS4. Now, these are going to be pretty expensive. We're talking $90 for the PS4 one, and it does not look like there is a price announced for the Xbox version yet, but I would imagine it's going to be close to that, uh, probably about $200 given the size of it. And that pretty much covers the news, folks. And that's the sound of the GeekPod Blue mailbox. Uh, this is the segment where I read your emails with questions and give you back answers from my brain. So just to kick this off, we have a question from Bill Horst-Cotter this week. Uh, hello, Bill. Thanks for reaching out to us. It says, Hugh, who would win in a fight? One percenter from Gotham calling himself Batman or someone that grew up on the mean streets of Hell's Kitchen and calls himself Daredevil? Wow, Bill, that is a loaded question because they both come from places of pain and both are able to uh, overcome adversity to a degree a few other comic book characters are able to do. Uh, while <clears throat> part of me really wants to say Daredevil, I, I have to say, uh, regardless, I think Batman has to come out on top. And when you call him a one percenter, uh, I have to say it's probably a bit unfair because unless we're talking about the Adam West version of Batman, uh, the comics incarnation never really enjoyed that 1% life. While he had to put on a mask 
uh, to uh, you know make the world think that he was a billionaire playboy Bruce Wayne. I mean, we all know he didn't enjoy any of that. He, I don't think he really counts as a one percenter. He just happens to be a miserable, tortured soul who has lots of money that mommy and daddy left him. But I do think that uh, Batman would win uh, just based on resources, ingenuity, and you know Daredevil would never stop. But that's what Batman does. He stops the unstoppable. So that's my opinion. I hope that uh, you're not a huge Daredevil fan and going to hate me from this point forward. Next up, we have a question from my wife, Damara. So she says, how do you find all this time to do GeekPod and GeekPod Blue? You must have an amazing wife. <laughs> uh, you, okay, Damara, I'm going to answer it because I said I'd answer every question. You know, she said she was going to send a question into me, but I wasn't allowed to read it until I was on the air. Um, yes, I do have an amazing wife who does give me uh, plenty of time to do these stupid geeky things where I talk to myself and uh, my life would not be complete without her. Uh, and I mean that 100%. Next up, our good buddy Nick Mormon sent a few uh, questions to us. First of all, what's your favorite Spider-Man from the movies? Oh, well, I mean, there's only two incarnations of Spider-Man from the movies. Uh, yeah, it's tough, too, because uh, Tobey Maguire was the first, and I remember when the original Spider-Man came out, that was actually the last film I saw in theaters with my father. Now, while he did pass away, it wasn't shortly after that, but it's the last time we got to the movies together. And I remember it being such a big deal that movie magic had changed to the point where we could actually have Spider-Man on screen, and it looked cool. Now, let's go forward a couple years, and Andrew Garfield in both of his outings as uh, Spider-Man, uh, I liked him. I thought he he felt more like Ultimate Spider-Man, whereas Tobey Maguire was classic Peter Parker, you know, 616 Marvel Universe. Um, Andrew Garfield was more of a uh, uh, Ultimate uh, Spider-Man from the Ultimate Universe. I liked them both. If you're going to make me pick a favorite, I'm going to say uh, Tobey Maguire. Uh, but I think that they both brought different things to the role, and certainly both should be respected. Uh, Star Wars or Star Trek? Wow, this is a question that's going to make a lot of people hate me, but 100% without a shadow of a doubt, Star Trek every single time. Now, <clears throat> don't let that take away from the fact that I love Star Wars and the, the imagery and iconic... Uh, things it's brought to pop culture, uh, but Star Trek was ingrained in me. My mother watched Star Trek during its original run, and when it started showing in syndication on our local Fox station, she's like, hey, you got to check this show out. Now, the original Star Trek, I was like, wow, this is really cool. I mean, it's, it's campy like Doctor Who, which I loved, uh, but the production values are much better. Which is a sad thing to say. Now, of course, moving on, Star Trek The Next Generation comes out, and that was just an amazing show for a sci-fi fan, and it led into so many great things. Uh, the pinnacle of being a Star Trek Deep Space Nine, which I think is one of the best television series of all time. Uh, interesting note on that, Star Trek kind of runs in my family because um, my little brother... Uh, my, my siblings are adopted. My parents adopted uh, kids, uh, disadvantaged or disabled kids, and my uh, brother Matthew uh, is autistic. And, uh, and he doesn't really see, he's never really spoken. I say little brother, he's in his 20s now, but he was, you know, a little baby. He was born a crack baby and he was all sorts of messed up. Uh, nothing ever connected with him until Star Trek. And the theme music, it started as the theme music, it would come on the TV and he would stop and he would go over and look at the TV. Now, he now he's a 25-year-old, you know, autistic adult who has all the seasons of Star Trek in his room and that's what he does. He sits there in his room and he watches Star Trek all day. And I think that's... you great that he has something that connects him with society uh, that he might not have. I don't know why it's Star Trek, but it certainly holds a special place in my heart. Uh, next up, pirates or ninjas? Oh, man, come on. Pirates, they have all the fun. I mean, ninjas are cool, but pirates are badass. So, I mean, if you're going to say, okay, let's say you have the opportunity to, to choose, I don't know, 
soldier or, or biker. Yeah, soldiers are much better at what they do, but you know, bikers get laid a lot more, so definitely pirates. Conventions or music festivals? Uh, that would depend on how old I am when I'm answering this question. Now it would be conventions. Years ago, it would be music festivals. I'm not sure I could take a music festival. Uh, last one I... Oh, what was it? I went to the last Lollapalooza that was held in Syracuse. I've been to a couple concerts after that, but I think that was the last music festival, and that was just ridiculously long, sunburnt, dehydrated, dehydrated day. And I think at this this age, I'm not sure that I could take that. Last up, Gwen Stacy or Mary Jane Watson. Uh, well, uh, webcam Nick, I, I'm going to have to say i got to go with Mary Jane Watson. Uh, not just because she's a redhead. I'm not one of those guys I have a redhead thing. But Gwen Stacy was before my time. Uh, when I started reading comics as a, you know, a youth in the 80s, you know, Mary Jane was you know, really the thing. And I, I, I never read... In real time, at least, I never read uh, Peter Parker and Gwen Stacy together. She was always something that was in the past by the time I was reading comic books. So I definitely would have to go with Mary Jane Watson. And now to our last group of letters here. This is very strange because I got an anonymous email from, it just says blah, blah, blah at gmail.com. So I'm, I'm not sure. But this is a huge list, so let me kind of go through these quickly. When is GeekPod Gold coming out? Who the fuck knows? Uh, can I have my own show? I, I don't know who you are, but with a name like blah, 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 right now, I'm leaning towards no. Are you going to do a video podcast someday? Uh, yes, I have already looked into uh, software that will allow me to do multiple camera angles live while I'm recording. It's something I'm playing around with. Don't expect it to be soon. I mean, this is something I really have to play with. Uh, plus, I need a better backdrop because here in my rev quarters, I wouldn't want you getting a close-up of the cat box behind me while I'm talking. Who would win in a fight, Garthfield or Heathcliff? Um, neither, because neither one of them would move. Uh, why is Pluto a dog dog and Goofy is a human dog? That's just messed up, man. Well, you're right. This is true. However, you know, Pluto could be a man dog if you would put some pants on, get up and start doing something. Instead, he just acts like a dog. So if you're going to act like a dog, you're going to get treated like a dog. These are some really fun questions. I like this. Uh, does Scooby-Doo really talk or is Shaggy just always tripping balls? Uh, you know, I'm going to have to wait for the uh, Supernatural crossover next fall to find out the answer to that question. Can you guys start a VIP program for listeners with really cool perks? We did. It's called Geek Pod Blue. Now you're getting Geek Pod every single week. What more do you want? Oh, and it says, perks like a tour of the studio or to meet Paul or to punch Andrew in the moobs. This is clearly somebody that has seen Andrew. Uh, I don't know. I could talk to Paul about it this weekend when we record at Geek Pod, see if there's something that... Uh, uh, we can whip up. It certainly is not outside the realm of possibility. Uh, next up, is Madison Saves the Cheese ever coming back? I'm not sure. How many times do you really need to save the cheese? Does the cheese get in trouble an awful lot? Uh, does it not know how to listen? Uh, that really depends on the, the circumstances of the cheese at the time. Oh, it says that was the funniest show on the network. You know, they should really group these questions a little differently because I didn't realize there was another sentence attached to that. Uh, that was pretty funny. I, I have to agree. Hey, can you talk about Elder Scrolls Online? We definitely don't hear enough about that. Well, you know, just because you asked, maybe I'll make a point of talking about it a lot this week. Can my band, Murky Bongwater, play live on your show? Sure, why not? Can you come to my city for a live show? How do you know I'm not doing a live show in your city right now? You didn't tell me where you live. 
Does Paul really read comics? I don't think he does. We all know Hugh doesn't sports. If pressed, does he throw like a girl? Oh, these are two questions, again, grouped together. Does Paul really read comics? As far as I know, he's got a stack of them in his office. Whether or not he reads them, I really couldn't tell you. Uh, as for Hugh not doing sports, if pressed, does he throw like a girl? Uh, it depends on what I'm throwing. Punches? No. Uh, a football? I did learn how to throw a football last year, so I, I wouldn't say I'm good at that, but at least it, it actually goes the way it's supposed to. Uh, I played Little League as a kid. I mean, I, you know, am I good at that kind of stuff? No. Uh, am I so bad that I'm ashamed of it? No. You know, I like what I like, and sports were never in, uh, in my orbit. Well, it just wasn't something that I was interested in. And lastly, have any of you guys ever actually been in a fight? <clears throat> well, Paul has told me a story of him being in a fight, although Paul does tell stories, so who knows. Uh, Andrew is a former Marine, so I don't know how you get through that without kicking some ass or getting your ass kicked. Um, Jack, I'm guessing no. Uh, corpse? Ooh, it could go either way. Uh, I know I definitely have been in fights. Um, more than I'd like, uh... Not as many as you'd probably think. Um, fighting isn't really fun. It's fun when you're young. You think it's fun when you're young. It's not fun when you're older. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think any of us would stand up if we needed to, if we had to defend, you know, our honor, our family, you know, our friends, whatever. I, I think any of us would stand up and at least try to uh, throw some punches and look cool. And that's it for the mailbox this week. Um, again, I want to apologize to everybody for. Uh, the state of my voice. This certainly has been a tough week. Hopefully I'll be able to come back next week uh, swinging, but not like a girl. Uh, I do want to say thank you to everyone that sent in letters. This has certainly been a fun segment. We're going to try to keep it up, and hopefully I can keep coming up with things and entertaining you guys. So uh, that's going to wrap up this episode of Geek Pod Blue, and I want to tell you guys, make sure you tune in next week when I'm going to do half the show in the character of an aging hippie conspiracy theorist. Till then, tuck and roll, kids. GeekPod Blue is a GeekPod Network production. Executive producers Paul Showens and Hugh Allen. Concept created by Paul Showens and Hugh Allen. Intro is Opportunity by Jameis Breed. Closing is Bucket by Jameis Breed. Both licensed for use by Dennis Johnston. Want to help the show? Leave a five-star rating on iTunes. GeekPod can be reached at contribute at geekpod.com or send us a tweet at geekpod. That's G33KPOD. You can also find GeekPod on Facebook and Instagram. G33KPOD. That's G33KPOD. 